Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the 4040 Vision podcast, the ultimate sports history pod where hindsight is 4040. Before we get started, let's pay some bills and hear from our presenting sponsors. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 11 of the 4040 Vision podcast, the ultimate sports history pod brought to you by Sideline Sports. I'm your host, Colette Abdallah, and with me today is my fellow host, Osama Dahoud. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? It's going well. It's March Madness, episode 11. It's a bit of a milestone here, so good times. Uh, yeah, so on today's episode, which we're recording on March 17th, 2022, we're going to discuss the Legion of Boom era of the Seattle Seahawks. Boom. Talk about, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about whether they under or overachieved, what caused the downfall of the era, what comes next for the Seahawks and the still active members of the Legion of Boom. Not too many of them left. Um, so, yeah, let's let's start with what prompted this episode and, and the moves that had happened with Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. You know, what? why did they leave Seattle? What happened there? Yeah, so 10 seasons, four division titles, uh, two trips to the Super Bowl. They were back-to-back trips, and uh, they won the Lombardi Trophy uh, in one of those trips. Uh, The Seahawks traded Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. He had to waive his no-trade clause, uh, and in return, uh, they got a fourth-round pick, uh, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, uh, Shelby Harris, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth round pick. Um, so they got a pretty good haul for, for Russell Wilson. Uh, they got a good tight end in that deal. You could tell that there were rumors uh, the season before that he was thinking about leaving and uh, the Chicago Bears were a big rumor. There were a lot of teams in the running this year uh, and, and, and the, the Broncos uh, were the first ones to, to capitalize on his availability. Yeah, they they pulled the trigger. Trigger, <laughs> um, and I mean it was kind of surprising. People said that it was they they didn't give up too much for for Russell, but I think part of it was I don't know how much leverage Seattle had uh, with Russell. You know, not quite forcing his way out because he always wants to keep that good guy image, but he it was essentially over. Like the relationship was was done. So we know Russell's going to Denver. All that is set up. Uh, what about Bobby Wagner? I mean, I think as of today, he's unsigned, but but what what prompted them to move on from him? It's a good question. It's not entirely clear to me. It seems there might be more out there, but from what I know, it just looks like a rebuild of some kind that they're going into. Russell Wilson is out the door. Uh, this is just kind of them marking, yeah, we're going to dial it back a little bit. And there's rumors that he's being recruited by Russell Wilson to Denver, as if Denver, Denver didn't have enough good pieces on defense already that can add one of the best linebackers in football uh, to their defensive unit. So that's, that's kind of where things are at. Both of these guys, you could say, I don't know if, if uh, you could say their course, they ran their course with Seattle, but both of them very accomplished both at one point where, you know, Russell Wilson uh, led, led the league in passing one year. He led the league in touchdowns one year, Bobby Wagner led the league in tackles 
two years, uh, you know, both of them on that Super Bowl team, multiple pro bowlers, uh, time pro bowlers. So, uh, you know, it just ran its course, it seems like, with, with both of these guys and, and, all, and all the others from the Legion of Boom that we're going to get into as well. Yeah, and I think it's it's not every year that the, the team gets rid of, you know, one surefire Hall of Famer in Bobby Wagner. I mean, he's a six-time first-team All-Pro, two-time two second-team All-Pro. Um, and like we discussed in, in the Hall of Fame episode, uh, if you make an all-decade team, you're probably making the Hall of Fame. And he was, you know, one of the linebackers on the 2010s all-decade team. Uh, the jury's still out on Russell Wilson, I think. He's... Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's a little bit harder, obviously, to get in as a quarterback versus a, a linebacker. So I'll say one surefire, one one borderline Hall of Famer. Um, so I think with these two guys, it's pretty clear the Legion of Boom era is over. They're one of the, the final holdovers from that Super Bowl team. So, you know, when when did it start? When did when can we say the Legion of Boom era officially started? I think in 2012, they just had an excellent draft. I don't know how many teams hit this well on a draft? Um, I think you have it listed. Who did they get in that 2012 draft? It was absurd. It's like, it's gotta be one of the best draft halls of all time, like easily. Um, round one, they get Bruce Irvin, a pro bowl, you know, linebacker, defensive end, uh, ton of sacks on a, several teams. He's still in the league. Bobby Wagner, hall of fame linebacker in the second round. Russell Wilson in the third round. So you, you don't get too many starting quarterbacks in the third round, much less, you know, a nine-time Pro Bowler and Super Bowl champion. In the fourth round, they get Robert Turbin, who's a serviceable, uh, you know, running back. Uh, Jeremy Lane in the sixth round, another serviceable cornerback, another member of the Legion of Boom, a starter. And then the seventh round, they get J.R. Sweezy, another not member of Legion of Boom, but a starting member of the offensive line who's actually a defensive tackle that they converted to guard. So you get, you know, six starter quality, you know, ranging from starter quality to hall of fame in the same draft is just unheard of. And the, and the, it's unbelievable. Every in retrospect, it's like, boom, 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 boom. They hit on all of those. Boom is a common theme here. And uh, in the added that to that core, of the Legion of Boom, that was kind of the backbone of the whole thing uh, in the secondary with Cam Chancellor at strong safety, Richard Sherman at quarterback, and Earl Thomas at, at free safety. And we'll compare that unit to, to other units a little bit later and just some of the legend behind their impact. But I remember in 2012 noticing this Seattle defense just being so overwhelming in uh, a Monday Night Football game, September 24, 2012. Do you remember this game? The Golden Tate, Fail Mary push off with the replacement. Oh, yeah, referees. of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, that, that game, I just remember Aaron Rodgers running for his life the entire night. He was sacked eight times. It just felt like every other play. Uh, I forgot who was calling the games at the time, but just someone saying, Rodgers is down again. Uh, and they gave him hell. They only put up 12 points the Packers did and they lost on the, on that final play. Um, so th that, yeah, that 2012 year, it's not a coincidence that uh, you started to notice it. I think that their coming out party was that game against the Patriots where uh, they just gave Tom Brady hell and, 
uh, like, damn, this defense is no joke. There's that that picture of Richard Sherman yelling at Tom Brady, and he's just kind of sh- shamefully walking away, like, what the hell happened here? Yeah, and in the man of arena, man in the arena. I don't know if you've watched that episode yet, but uh, we talked about the Seahawks Super Bowl. Uh, they touch on that game as again being like Seattle and the Legion of Boom. They're they're coming out party. Um, and here's here's a crazy stat. So 2011, they had uh, the seventh best defense, seventh, seventh best scoring defense. And then from 2012 to 2015, four years straight, they had the number one scoring defense in the NFL. Wow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if any other team has done that before. Maybe the, you know, Steel Curtain, uh, the Ravens, maybe uh, uh, for that, you know, that sustained success. But four years running, they had the number one scoring defense and they had a top five or top two or top one uh, defense in terms of yards allowed as well. So uh, the Legion of Boom nickname uh, was definitely uh, well-deserved. Here's a disgusting stat that is just unreal how dominant they were. So that core of Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, and Earl Thomas started 81 games together uh, during their time in Seattle. They lost one time by more than seven points when those three were in the starting lineup. One time. (laughs) And that was in 2011 before they put together... Uh, the rest of the of the defense and by the way that 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 game that it was two special teams returns it wasn't even on the secondary for being the reason why they lost uh by by more than a touchdown so just goes to show one of the absolute stingiest defenses of all time so yeah maybe they're not getting enough credit you know you think about the all these other top tier defenses 85 bears uh, you know, the 2000 Ravens, the Purple People Eaters, Orange Crush, uh, the Broncos, you know, maybe these guys aren't getting enough credit. So what what made them special? To, and I know they had a, a few of, you know, character type guys on their team. But for you, who was who was the biggest character on that team? I mean, it has to be Richard Sherman. He obviously didn't leave you a choice by being the loudest, uh, being the, the biggest shit talker and his mic'd up moments were good. I mean, he was just uh, one of the best in football at uh, yelling at his his opponents and, and letting it be known that they were terrible. He would name calling and he was just he, relentless. I mean, those are some of their their traits, I, I, I would say. The relentless is a, is a hell of a word for this team. It's like a, like a boxer with a granite chin. Like you can't put this guy out and they got knockout power in both hands. It's that, that's what that defense was. Yeah, relentless physicality, speed, power. They they had it all. And they had, you know, all pro level players at every level of the defense. You know, defensive line, you had Michael Bennett. Uh, you had uh, Bobby Wagner at linebacker. And then the DBs, obviously, three, you know, two possible Hall of Famers. I don't know about Earl Thomas, given some of his recent uh, indiscretions <laughs> and the way his career fell off. Um uh, I think it's pretty safe to say Richard Sherman is going to get in there uh, eventually with uh, the the couple Super Bowls that that he has. Um, and all, of course, you know, all this all pro and the all other um, accolades that he's gotten. So I think we know what made them special. Aside from those two guys, anybody else that's or aside from Richard Sherman, anybody else that, that stood out as, you know, a character type? As a character type? 
Michael Bennett, I believe, was a, a hell of a shit talker as well. Um, those guys were the two loudest on the team in terms of characters. Uh, but the rest of them were more so by reputation, just hard hitting. Cam Chancellor always with the shades down, very intimidating. Earl Thomas, I recall him at one point launching himself into Rob Gronkowski like a scud missile and puncturing Gronk's ribs. Um, so some some of it is is character, but some of it's also just by reputation, a bunch of menacing men on the field. Yeah, and Earl Thomas was was ridiculous. I mean, he was undersized. I think that was one of the criticisms when he was coming out of the draft. Uh, if I remember correctly, there was folks that wanted the Seahawks to take Taylor Mays from USC, who was more of like the prototype safeties, you know, 6'2", 6'3", giant guy who could, you know, lay people out. Uh, but instead they took an undersized guy in, in Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. The, that dark visor with combined with just how big and strong he was, just an absolute menace. And he could cover anybody. He could hit anybody. He was, you know, as big as Gronk, but could, you know, keep up with, with all the receivers or the best receivers in, in the league. So I know some talking about this might be a little painful for you as a Niners fan. Uh, so who is your most hated member of, of the Legion of Boom? Yeah, it's got to be Richard Sherman again. Uh, he's the, the the loudest one. He made that play against Michael Crabtree and uh, talked a bunch of smack after making that play. So in the moment, oh, man, it was like get, getting it was like after getting knocked out, your opponent stands over you and yells at you that you ain't shit. That's what it felt like. Yeah, um, kicks kicks you in the teeth, kicks dirt in your face. <laughs> like the fight's over down. already. Yeah, and he's just pouring salt in the wound. But I also appreciated him even before and after that. As you know, he, what made him unique was he also played wide receiver, uh, and throwing in his direction it was an absolute no no. I, what I came to appreciate was how he just became his own no fly zone. I know that there's been a couple of defenses that might have been. Yep appointed that nickname but in his own way he absolutely was there was a game where Aaron Rodgers didn't throw at Richard Sherman he spent Richard Sherman spent an entire game on one side of the field instead of following Jordy Nelson around so he basically just took an entire side of the football field away from the Packers options and he just made life for his own defense so much easier in, in the NBA there's a uh the term Kawhi-solation was coined uh, for whoever Kawhi Leonard is guarding and just forget it, run the offense somewhere else. That, that was Richard Sherman. Yeah, it's, it's a lot easier to play defense when you have like a third of the field, maybe even half the field, basically shut down. Like you said, a no-fly zone. There's been a few guys that, that can you know, make a claim to doing that. Uh, you know, Deion Sanders, Darrell Rivas, Champ Bailey. Namdi Asuma, you know, shout out uh, our former Raider here. Um, so he's one of the elite uh, at his position. So for me, my favorite, I guess not technically the Legion of Boom, but just from the era was, was Marshawn Lynch. You know, just incredible guy, <laughs> you know, hilarious, great character, just a, a great dude. Um, I didn't did, definitely did not hate anybody on that team, you know, as a, a Niners hater and a uh, a bitter Raiders fan. I was definitely rooting for, for the Legion of Boom and the Seahawks uh, during that era. So this, this team, they, during that era, this incredible dominance of being a top five defense, you know, 
having a great offense, Russell Wilson, Marshawn Lynch, uh, Doug Baldwin, all these guys, Golden Tate. Um, so they won a Super Bowl. They made one of the Super Bowl appearance. You know, during this the, the Russell Wilson era, they missed the playoffs just twice, went 104, 53, and one in the regular season, and nine and seven in the playoffs. So all that aside, did they underachieve? I don't think they underachieved. It's really hard to have an extended window in the NFL. There have been so many great teams that it felt like they were there. And one year, like look at the Panthers in 2015, unbelievable offense run into the best defense and just couldn't, could not quite recapture that again on either side of the football. And we've seen it time and time again with so many teams even Tom Brady, addicted to winning the Super Bowl and appearing in Super Bowls, went almost a decade uh, without winning another Super Bowl, coincidentally, in, in this conversation against Seattle. Uh, they had a window, you know, they, in 2013 and 2014, and they capitalized it in, in legendary fashion against that Broncos team. And that was the conversation going into that game. The number one offense against the number one defense. Peyton Manning had a... He was the MVP, a 50-touchdown season. He was unbelievable that season uh, coming from, from, from Indianapolis. It was like, wow, Peyton Manning, he's, he's, he's a legend. He's so good. And the game was over on the first play of the game when he the snap went over his head and he pooped himself and the Seahawks won 40-8 to eight or whatever the final <laughs> score was. Yeah, I think they were leading like 30-0 at, at one point. Yeah, they should have repeated as champions for not – an absolute freak play uh, that that we'll talk about. Uh, but um, after that, they they did not go back uh, past the divisional round after reaching the Super Bowl in 2014. So th- that was their window. It's it's hard to win in the NFL. I I I'm going to say they did underachieve because of that that freak play. It's probably one of the biggest what if moments in, in NFL history. You know, it, it would have defined them as you know, the team of this era of that, one of the teams of that decade. Uh, and I think that if, if it does go that way, then they maybe even win another one because they, they're able to keep the team together. Uh, it's positive vibes all around. Uh, maybe this, this leads to Tom Brady leaving a little bit earlier uh, than he did because he doesn't, doesn't win that Super Bowl. But like you said, after that, they had, they didn't get past the divisional round. And I think the, the two years after that, they ended up losing to the eventual um, NFC representative in the Super Bowl, but not the Super Bowl winner. Um, with and there's had some winnable games in there. So some of the things that that I've read is that that interception doomed that team because it just it messed up the chemistry of the team. There was you know guys talking about, and I don't know if it was real or you know maybe this was just their perception, but. The perception for a lot of these guys was that the team did not want Russell or didn't want Marshawn Lynch to be the MVP. They didn't want him and his, you know, I'm just here so I won't get fined and his his look and his attitude, whatever, to be the face of the team. So they wanted Russell Wilson to be the hero. I don't know how true that is. What do you think? You're, you're saying that, that there's a rumor out there that that was the psychology behind that call? Yeah, yeah. They said that. You know, in the situation, they had they could have handed it off to Marshawn Lynch, one of the best power backs in NFL history, but they put the ball in Russell's hands because they wanted him to be the hero. Again, 
I don't know how much an NFL team and NFL coach is, is taking that much into consideration. Are they like that concerned at that time as, as who as to who is the hero here? But that that's what the reports have been. That's what some of the rumblings and rumors have been ever since. That's crazy. I don't I don't know. I, I would hope not. I don't think so. I, I just I recall Marshawn Lynch running up to the one yard line and the clock winding down. Belichick just kind of staring the other sideline down like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I'm jumping up and down like, oh, my God, Belichick's not calling timeout. They're going to give the ball to Lynch. This is over. And the absolute opposite happens. And, you know, my the satisfaction as a Niners fan of seeing Richard Sherman on the sideline, his face going from excited to looking like he just watched a baby get chopped with an axe is incredibly satisfying. It's one of, one of the all-time, like, memes and gifs right there of, of his face. Yeah, from, just you know. he just witnessed absolute horror. <laughs> and it was like... It was such a ridiculous play that led up to that, you know, Jermaine Curse like making the catch on his back after tipping it up and like almost rolling <laughs> into the end zone. Uh, so it seemed like Seattle was a team of destiny. It was all shaping up for, you know, this this touchdown, maybe Brady to get like a, a chance at the end to to fight back. But, you know, again, I, I don't know how true the, this this rumor is, but you know, if if the players believe it, if that's their perception, if they see Russell, who's this, you know, clean cut, you know, all American, like goody two shoes. And they're saying people are feeding that fire of, hey, they didn't want Marshawn to be the hero. They wanted Russell, the golden boy, the quarterback, you know, that's going to lead to some resentment, whether it's true or not. Right. Because the, the perception becomes the reality for these guys. So. If it if it is true, obviously that's that's a huge deal. But even if it's not, these guys thought thought it was, and, and that I think did help you know end the era or at least the peak of of, of that era. And there were rumors, yeah, that, that with that defense, that outspoken defense, and Russell Wilson being your prototypical quarterback in the media who never says anything, or polar opposites in the locker room, and that was a very outspoken locker room at the time that, you know, going even before Colin Kaepernick was just very open about a number of issues that are a different podcast for another time. Uh, So it's easy to see that there was going to be some conflict there. Pete Carroll didn't seem to really get in the middle of it too much, uh, but they, they let their opinion be heard for sure. Yeah. And, and on the field as well, I mean, they did end up losing some, some key contributors. It's normal, you know, when, when you're successful people, other teams will come and, you know, take your, your better players, uh, Bruce Irvin, Malcolm Smith, they went to the Raiders, Marshawn Lynch the next year only played, I think six or seven games, Byron Maxwell, who was a starting corner left. Um, so not huge pieces, so to speak. Uh, but they also had, had coaches leave and take, you know, head coaching jobs. Uh, and other places. So that, that brain drain that comes with, with the success, um, you know, is, is always going to impact the team. And of course, as we know, you know, the littlest things in, in the margins can, can determine, you know, winning a game or winning a playoff game, of course, winning a Super Bowl. So I think eventually they would have fallen apart, but I do think that the play and the way that it went down definitely helped, uh, you know, accelerate that, that process. Yeah, I, I I agree. It it gets difficult. After I think after Dan Quinn left 
to coach the Falcons. Uh, guys started getting hurt. Richard Sherman tore his Achilles. Earl Thomas had a bad injury. Cam Chancellor kind of fell off a, a little bit. It wasn't the same. So they, I believe they ran their course out in 2017, that trio, that defensive back trio of Chancellor, Sherman, and, and Earl Thomas. How do you think they compare versus some of the other DB trios in, in league history? Like uh, Philly had a hell of a team with Troy Vincent, Brian Dawkins, and Bobby Taylor. That was a dominant trio. Um, there was uh, Pittsburgh uh, with Troy Polamalu, and uh, the other guys are escaping me. But like, wh- where does Seattle rank against uh, some of the all-time trio- defensive back trios? They've got to be among the best. I mean, uh, I, we can probably have another pod <laughs> this guy's like breaking down, you know, who really, who's, you know, one to five or whatever, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's rare to see this collection of talent, especially the way that they collected this talent, you know, some of the later rounds in the draft and the fact that they were able to keep them all together. Um, you know, it almost didn't matter who the other cornerback was because of those three guys. And it almost didn't matter who was playing linebacker, even though they, they had a, a hall of famer manning the middle there. Uh, so I would, I put them up against anybody, you know, against the, the seventies Raiders, seventies Steelers, the eighties Niners, all these guys, I, I would put them up there with them. Yeah. hundred percent. It's uh, I think that whenever I, I think of Seattle, it, I don't even think about the quarterback. I just think of defense and even to this day, you know, it's, it, there's a, with, with their home field advantage, I feel like, uh amplified it even more <laughs> because you, you can't hear anything and these guys are beating the shit out of you for three hours uh I, I think we'll there'll be a great documentary on these guys one day but i'll i'll never forget how loud it used to get um at i think it was century link it's called something else now yeah uh field lumen, lumen field or something lumen field okay <laughs> i guess <laughs> i think so um, yeah that, that was that in itself was just a hell of a reputation. Even now, I feel like any time, if it's just loud there, a lot of teams go there and get thumped anyway. I feel like the defensive rating goes up a couple of points just because of the noise too. Yeah, the, there's the Seattle mystique uh, for sure. So, I mean, I think it's just that that interception and everything after that was just the poison pill that took this team out. And uh, I think we'll never know until someone writes a tell-all book, maybe Michael Bennett. I mean, he wrote another book, uh, not about football, but maybe one of these days, maybe Richard Sherman, he'll do it or he'll have a, a man in the arena type documentary where he can spill the beans about uh, everything that happened there. Uh, so what's next? I mean, this era is over. Russell Wilson is wearing another uniform. Bobby Wagner is wearing another uniform. Earl Thomas is probably retiring Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, all these guys. What's next for Seattle? I think the only person still there is Pete Carroll. Yeah. And he's 71 or, or might even be older than that. I might have his age wrong, but he's one of the oldest coaches uh, in football, obviously slight rebuild mode. The defense is a question mark, right? With Bobby Wagner gone. I mean, you lose a top three linebacker in football uh, that things are going to change pretty significantly. Um, that's going to be a huge question mark with Russell Wilson gone. There are rumors just today, uh, right after Baker Mayfield, uh, requested a trade and the Browns said, no, someone already put the word out there that the Seahawks 
or looking at him, I saw Mina Kime say uh, Matt Ryan is a candidate for the Seahawks uh, if they move on. Deshaun Watson, who at this at this particular day in history is floating around for trade discussions. So they have still have a good receiver core. There's Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. They have Noah Fant that they acquired from, from Denver. So it's a good receiver core. They still have Chris Carson um, and the running back. I, I forget his name. What's the running back's name? Uh, the other running back that did really well. Um, that was always matter. hurt. What's his name? <laughs> It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, <laughs> Seattle. I hate you. No, but um, <laughs> so I mean, they still want to try and get someone in there that could sling the pill. I love saying that uh, to 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 keep them competitive because the NFC West is a, 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 a murderer's row. The Rams just added Allen Robinson today. Uh, yep. Interesting day that we're doing this, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just going to be a slight rebuild mode. If they can get a quarterback, they'll at least be able to put points on the board, but defensively, huge question mark if they'll be competitive at all. Yeah, I, I can't think of a more different quarterback to Russell Wilson than Matt Ryan. You go from a you know, 5'10", 5'11", in cleats, athlete, little pinball that's running around to you know, a 6'4", statuesque guy in his, his late 30s that can't really run anymore. Uh, so they definitely have to make some changes. But if you believe some of the rumors and some of what Pete Carroll has been saying, even though he's a, a huge bullshitter, I don't believe a word this, this guy says. <laughs> uh, they're supposedly looking at Colin Kaepernick saying that that he deserves a chance in this league. Uh, honestly, it, it it makes perfect sense for him to go to Seattle from a, a scheme perspective, from a football perspective. Uh, of course, we know that's not why he's, why he's out of the league. It's, it's all the other off the field stuff that, uh, teams are unwilling to to deal with but yeah does uh does Pete Carroll look more like a tennis instructor that hits on your wife or does he look more like one of those fake robbery masks that people wear like where it's like Ronald Reagan which one does he look like more <laughs> I'll go with the fake robbery mask <laughs> it's just he just looks so smug and just you know he always has a tan, even though he lives in, in the Northwest or Pacific Northwest, uh, where it's rainy 300 days out of the year. So uh, there's something off with that guy. Uh, but yeah, so what, you know, we, what's next for Russell Wilson? What's his place in history? And where do we put the Legion of Boom among the, the great defenses and the great air, you know, teams of, of, of the era? Legion of Boom, absolutely one of the best defenses in the history of football. Put it up there with the 85 Bears and the Steel Curtain, the 2015 Broncos. Uh, that 2013-14 Seattle team, uh, one of the best defenses of, of all time. Legendary. Uh, and for Russell Wilson, I mean, the story's not done yet, right? He's in Denver with another, what's looking like pretty damn good defense again. And a good wide receiving course, so we'll see what he can make out of it. And also a competitive AFC West. Uh, but I think that he'll have a good year. It looks like they signed an offensive lineman. Uh, they got some more tackles in there. So uh, his place in history is is yet to be to be finished. He's not a Hall of Famer probably yet, uh, just because it feels like for a Hall of Famer you have to win multiple Super Bowls and uh, never make a mistake in your life. Don't kill anybody. Don't say anything. Uh, and then maybe you'll make the, the, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's either two Super Bowls or, you know, basically lead the league in passing your whole career, like a, a Dan Marino or 
put up just, you know, video game numbers. So, I mean, Russell is still relatively young. He's 33, you know, maybe with his style uh, of play, the way, you know, he uses athleticism, the way he runs around, maybe that's not as sustainable in his uh, mid to late thirties, but you know, he's, he's got a little something, he's got something to prove now. Uh, once again, you know, he's on a new team, a new division, new conference, all the above. So, um, you know, if, if we're to believe him, then he's, he's Mr. Unlimited. He can do whatever he wants to, he's dangerous. Uh, and he's going to try to lead the, the Broncos back to the the promised land. And they have a, a, you know, a pattern of success here of trading for veteran quarterbacks and winning with them. So yeah. they sure as shit can't draft them. No, they cannot. Shout out Drew Locke, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, all these guys that are either you know not in the league anymore or not long for the league, uh, like a Drew Locke. So, yeah. Any final thoughts, man? I mean, I know the the Legion of Boom era was not uh, particularly pleasant for you. Any parting shots? Oh, rest in peace. Thank God. Rest in so- peace or rest in piss. No, I mean I'm not a I'm not that much of a of a hater. I mean, we we got our revenge. We didn't win the Super Bowl, but uh, stopping at uh, winning this the season being determined at the one yard line at Seattle was probably the only time shining moment the Niners had against Seattle. But it wasn't against the Legion of Boom. So uh, rest in peace and good riddance. Yeah, I think a few years ago was that was that is that what you're referring to? What, that you were deciding the the uh, division title. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that that probably went a, a long way to uh, keeping Seattle, you know, from from advancing too far in the playoffs. If I remember, I think it was Will Disley that got hit by Fred Warner. Was it Fred Warner? Dre Greenlaw. Yeah. There you go. One of the hundred linebackers that you guys <laughs> produce every year. All pros just like coming off a factory conveyor belt. Cool. <laughs> All right. So. That's our show for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Osama. Appreciate your time and then going down memory lane here with me on the, the Legion of Boom. Boom! <laughs> uh, make sure to follow us on all social channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we've separated the uh, 4040 Vision feed from the uh, Standing on the Sidelines, so make sure to like and subscribe and leave reviews and do all that stuff on, on Apple, and Spotify, and anywhere you can find podcasts. So thanks, everybody. See you.